Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Quest Diagnostics Topics in Drug Testing podcast series. My name is Frank Samaro, and I'm the Director of Clinical Marketing for the Drug Monitoring Franchise at Quest Diagnostics. I'm really excited about today's episode, Dangerous Drug Combinations. The conversation today will be led by Quest Diagnostics Senior Medical Advisor, Dr. Jeff Gooden, and Dr. Jack Kane, Director and Medical Science Liaison. Welcome, Drs. Gooden and Dr. Kane, and Great to have you here with me today. Thanks, Frank. This is Dr. Jeff Gooden. If you've listened to the other podcasts, you'll know that I'm a pain management and addiction specialist and also a medical advisor to Quest Diagnostics Toxicology Franchise. And I'm accompanied today by my colleague, Dr. Jack Kane. Jack, a quick introduction. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. And uh, thank you, Frank. I'm Dr. Jack Kane, Director of Medical Science Liaison, specifically for the Drug Monitoring and Toxicology Franchise at Quest Diagnostics. And today I'm happy to discuss a, a topic that I'm very passionate about, and that's dangerous drug combinations, or as we know it, polysubstance use, and thinking of it in the context of what happens when you combine substances that lead to side effects, what we call a drug-drug interaction. And the best part about this is we get to provide a laboratory perspective and show you Quest Diagnostics trends in drug test results and how they look in terms of drug mixing drug combinations. But what's the issue today that we're battling? In 2018, there were over 67,000 drug overdose deaths in the United States. Very significant. Drug overdoses decreased by 4% from the prior year. However, it's still a growing issue. And you need to understand that when we think of dangerous drug combinations, we're not just thinking, hey, you, you combine two substances, maybe one increased the amount of another, but also Think about the manifestations of symptoms that are formed from combining substances, not taking too much of one substance, but combining substances that might lead to hallmark symptoms such as sedation and or respiratory depression, meaning slowing your respiratory rate to the point where you're not breathing anymore and essentially you just don't wake up. And from 2010 to 2016, there are significant increases in overdose deaths involving synthetic opioids that also involve prescription opioids, heroin, and other illicit drugs or prescription drugs. And almost 80% of opioid deaths involve alcohol, not surprising, another opioid, including prescription opioids such as a Percocet, or another drug such as heroin, cocaine, benzodiazepines such as Xanax, psychostimulants, and even antidepressant. Hey, Jack, you know, I'll just jump in and say that, uh, you know, it's challenging on the patient front because they often don't think they're doing anything wrong by combining medicines. They think about all the deaths being related to illicit street drugs. And although they are kind of right in that the majority of deaths in this country have moved away from prescription agents to the synthetic and illicit street drugs like illicit fentanyl and heroin, there's still a significant number of people die every year from combining prescription medications. And I think that's really the main reason we're here today, to talk about how dangerous drug mixing can actually be. Exactly. And the best part is that we have the laboratory perspective. We get to see objectively, and I know, Jeff, you and I always say this, Drug testing is the most objective tool to see what's actually passed through a patient system. And we look at our laboratory data and we looked at drug testing samples for what we call our MedMatch analysis at Quest Diagnostic, and 24% of patient test results showed signs of drug mixing. Opioids and benzodiazepines were among the most common combinations that we saw. And these combinations are known to cause respiratory depression. If you take them together, whether they're prescribed or not, you might stop breathing. They have that add additive effect. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, patients really aren't aware of this additive effects of these drugs. 
And unfortunately, we see it in autopsy reports where people have combined alcohol with their pain medicines or sleeping pills or even sometimes cold medications. Patients aren't aware that taking these sedating antihistamine-like cold medications combined with sleeping pills and, and pain medicines is just a terribly dangerous combination. Can you give us some more insight into what percentage of patients show combining of opioids and benzos? Yeah, our laboratory data showed 17% of patient test results had a combination of opioids and benzodiazepines. Very alarming. It's still a very popular combination. And I'll tell you, I give consults every day, and this is arguably the most common, quote, inconsistent drug test result, meaning there is something wrong with this result. You know, Jack, I've been part of Quest's annual health trends publications, and year after year, we see the same data that almost one in five patients who get tested have an unprescribed opioid or benzodiazepine, as well as a prescribed opioid or benzodiazepine, which to me as a practitioner is simply amazing. One in five patients are taking an unprescribed opioid or benzo. So really the risk is out there and we need to do something to change it. Exactly. And I often think about the patient. What is the patient thinking? And Dr. Gooden, you've treated countless patients in your practice. Why do you think people take a combination of substances? Do they know what they're doing? You know, so I, I break it down into patients and misusers, right? So patients really just are trying to relieve their symptoms. And, you know, we have this term in the pain management world. We call it chemical coping. It means, you know, so I, I say, why do you take your pain pill? Oh, you know, sometimes I take it for sleep. Or when I'm really stressed, I take it. Well, look, that's not what the medicine is for. This is strictly a pain medication. Uh, sleep tends to be a very big problem, and I bet you it's contributed to, a, you know, treating it has contributed to a significant number of deaths around the world because people will drink alcohol. They'll take tranquilizers, benzodiazepines. They'll mix it with their pain medication. So especially for pain patients, it becomes quite dangerous. And then on the other side of the coin, there are those who intentionally want to alter their mentation. They look to get high. So they drug combine. Usually patients with psychiatric disease will take anything they can get their hands on. And as we'll talk about, probably even in this presentation, but certainly in other podcasts that are, that are upcoming, drugs like gabapentin, which you know, came out as an anticonvulsant drug to treat nerve pain, have shown that when you combine these with drugs like opioids, increases the risks of death. So you know, I think the main point here is most patients unknowingly increase their risks of, of adverse effects by combining drugs. But usually th there's a reason behind it. For some patients, it's pain. For some patients, it's sleep. But for the misusers, it's clearly to, to alter their minds and to get high. Exactly. You know, and, and we keep mentioning opioids and benzodiazepines, but you mix alcohol in it and you, you increase that potential for respiratory depression even greater. And then what about, you mentioned psychiatric patients. What about those patients who are taking an antidepressant or an antipsychotic, which helps increase serotonin levels in the brain, but then they're also co-abusing a stimulant such as methamphetamine or amphetamine? That could lead to a side effect known as serotonin syndrome. Very scary stuff. And so, you know, I don't think the general public understands the risk of combining substances, not to the extent that we do. I don't think they understand or perceive the mechanisms that lead to these side effects. And one has to think of how substances travel through the central nervous system 
and reach their destination. You think of it like a highway and highways can speed up and slow down through many different variables. Cocaine speeds us up. Heroin slows us down. They travel to the central nervous system and ultimately to the brain and to the reward center of the brain to trigger these effects. And then what happens when you combine these quote uppers and downers? Uh, the perception from the patient is that, hey, it might be doling the effects. And that in and of itself is dangerous if you think about it, because the patient might then dose higher with that heroin or dose higher with that cocaine because of the quote doled effects. And so patients are chasing these uppers and downers, especially the ones with severe substance use disorder, and misinterpret uh, what these the risks of these doses and how they combine these substances. And so we've mentioned why patients actually abuse substances, might misuse substances, some of them to chase euphoria, some of them to self-medicate due to lack of access to manage their pain or manage their opioid withdrawal. It's there, and there are multiple reasons but what we want to make sure we convey are the mechanisms that lead to these drug-drug interactions. An overdose is not just too much of what substance, it's oftentimes a combination of substances. And they can lead to side effects such as respiratory depression, serotonin syndrome, and even fatal ventricular arrhythmia such as QT interval prolongation. So there are tools out there, Dr. Gudin, that are meant to identify aberrant behaviors in, in drug use, but also potentially doctor shopping to get controlled substances. Have you used some of them in your practice before? Oh, yeah. And I think, Jack, we could say hands down that these things are becoming standard of care. Uh, when you look at the most you know, recent guidelines for prescribing, when you look at the Health and Human Services Opioid Task Force recommendations, we know that they tell us to use tools to evaluate patients, not just from a pain management, you know, zero to 10 standpoint, but from a functional standpoint, and then, you know, assessment tools for risks of misusing alcohol or prescription drugs. And we have a number of these tools available. But I think the two most important tools we have in clinical practice are the database that every state makes accessible to prescribers. It's called the PDM, Prescription Monitoring Program, or PDMP, uh, for each state. And as a matter of fact, you can access multiple states, especially surrounding states to your own state through a single query. I found that to be very helpful to show us where patients are filling their medicines. Uh, what are they filling? At what doses? Who's prescribing that? How are they paying for their medicines? So to me, one of the objective tools is the prescription drug monitoring program. But think about it. All that shows us is what did the patient pick up at the pharmacy? It doesn't tell us anything about is the patient taking his wife's medicine? Is he buying illicit drugs on the street? So the second objective tool that we've been hinting at is drug testing. And we're gonna talk a lot more about drug testing, but to me, drug testing is really the only objective tool to determine what substance has a patient ingested. And I can't believe for the last 20 years, the patients who I would never suspect of hoarding their drug or taking all of their drug early or taking somebody else's medicines have shown up positive in our practice. And it really correlates very well with the data that we report from Quest every year in our health trends that up to 50% of samples that we receive to the Quest laboratory, you're talking about millions and millions of samples, either don't have the drug in there that they're supposed to have or have something else extra in there, 50%. 
And to me, that's really grounds to tell doctors or inform doctors just how important drug testing is because that is the tool that tells you how your patients are taking their medicines. Exactly. And it opens up that conversation with the patient, right? It's, it drives that conversation to the point, hey, you've tested positive for this other substance. I'm not sure you're aware of the risks of combining these substances. And also, I'd like to know where you think you've been exposed to this substance. There's a popular line in toxicology that says the dose makes the poison. We now understand there's more to it. The combination also makes the poison. Yeah, and I'll just give our listeners a little insights into one of our future podcasts. And it has to do with where we surveyed 500 prescribing primary care physicians and reported on some of the most interesting facts, opinions, knowledge, beliefs about uh, prescribing. And the majority of them were reluctant to take on any patients with opioids. A lot to do with the reasons that we've been discussing today. They're worried about overdose. They're worried about drug-drug interactions. They haven't really learned a whole lot about opioid risk mitigation. And they're not so comfortable going to the prescription drug monitoring database. And they're certainly not comfortable about performing drug testing, looking for drug mixing. You know, one of the biggest issues, Jack, that I find and one of the calls that I get most frequently in my consulting role at Quest is interpreting the drug screen. And if you're on hydrocodone and the drug test comes back positive for hydromorphone, well, that's a prescribed drug as well. And doctors don't really understand that hydromorphone is a metabolite of hydrocodone, and we expect that. So I think one of the reasons for you know, their apprehension about drug testing is they don't understand it well enough. They don't feel like they can explain the results. So I think with educational methods such as this, these podcast series, we could certainly help doctors with understanding how to order drug testing and understanding how to interpret the drug testing. Completely agree, Dr. Gooden. And we do have a tox line that provides these consultations as well. And of course, you and I, I know we're available to talk to providers as well regarding these particular topics. In addition, you know, you brought up a great example, and I can give another one too that, that providers often don't think about, and even patients, is when you combine certain substances, one substance might inhibit the breakdown of another, such as fluoxetine inhibiting the breakdown of suboxone. A lot of providers don't think about these combinations, and sometimes that might lead to a substance that appears in a drug test result longer than was anticipated. And we dive into that from a consulting perspective, and when we evaluate each individual drug test result. But again, seeing those combinations opens up that clinical picture, helps expand that clinical picture of the patient and helps us drive that dialogue with the provider and ultimately strengthening that conversation between the provider and the patient. You know, Jack, just hearing your case makes me think of another case and it makes me think we need a podcast on interesting cases or the most common questions posed by by clinicians. <laughs> you know, when we do drug testing at Quest, when you send your sample to, to any national lab, we don't just check for the parent drug, we check for the metabolites of the drug. And what that tells us is the patient has actually ingested the medicine, right? Because they wouldn't be able to spike their urine with a metabolite. It means they've ingested it and metabolized it and we see the, the metabolite. But we get calls from providers all the time, hey, uh, you know, my, the urine sample or the drug sample came back with only the parent drug, but no metabolite. What does that mean? And that means there's a chance that the patient went into the bathroom, shaved off a little piece of their medicine, put it into the urine cup, and it tests positive for that drug, 
but none of the metabolite, it didn't go through the body. So again, this is where it's gonna be so important for clinicians to have just a basic understanding of drug testing and drug metabolism. And for those of you that don't think that goes on out there, rest assured it does. I and mean, we've seen much as 5% or more of samples that come from drug treatment centers that have only the parent drug and none of the metabolite. So you need to be on the lookout for those kind of things. Thank you, Dr. Gooden, for your perspectives as always. They're always very enlightening. But let's conclude with the understanding that Quest serves one in three adult Americans and half the physicians and hospitals in the United States. What does that mean? We have the largest drug testing database in the country. We see so many clinical lab results and our diagnostics insights help us improve healthcare management and the whole clinical decision support process. A properly implemented drug testing program is an important step in tackling drug misuse and abuse. You have to identify behaviors that are consistent with underlying substance use disorder or, or are consistent with medication non-adherence. Drug testing is the best tool for that. And by performing more than 10 million drug tests annually, Quest Diagnostics has the experience to help you implement a successful PDM program, one that helps protect your practice, safeguards your patients, and ultimately keeps our community safe. Hey, Jack, if I can remind our listeners that we have an 800 number. We call it our Rx Tox line. But if you're testing with Quest, if you're a Quest client, you can call in and talk to one of our Rx Tox line representatives who have direct access to clinicians like Dr. Kane and I and toxicologists around the country, around the world for that matter. It's one 877 40 or 877-407-9869. It's available to help clinicians with what tests to order. How do I interpret the results of these tests? Hey, something weird came back on this report. Can you help me out here? And I got to tell you, I don't know about you, Dr. King, but for me, even I call the tox line once in a while, or I'll call the toxicologist because I get, you know, kind of weird results back that not even I'm sure of what to do with. And oftentimes our skilled uh, toxicologists at the lab level uh, have a clear answer for us. That's the beautiful part about working for Quest. We have a sea of experts and we can always get a second and third opinion for those strange and curious results. Thank you. I want to thank Dr. Gooden and Kane for providing that great information. And thank you all to our listeners for joining today's discussion on dangerous drug combination. To learn more about the Quest drug monitoring program, please visit questdrugmonitoring.com for information on our drug monitoring test directory, all our offerings, to access more of the podcast and to see our educational resources and additional insights provided by our team of toxicology experts. At Quest Diagnostics, we're committed to providing you results and insights to support your clinical decisions.